Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Sarah Bronin, chairperson of the Hartford Planning and Zoning Commission. Good morning to you. Good morning. So the PZC is just out with the Hartford City Plan 2035. This is something the city undertakes every 10 years to kind of set a vision for what the next 15 years are going to look like. Uh, Tell us uh, what is special about this plan. Well, this plan is an attempt to really consolidate a lot of the plans of the past and set a new vision for Hartford as we move toward our 400th anniversary. So 2035 is, as you said, 15 years from now, and that's when Hartford turns 400 uh, as a municipal entity anyway. Of course, Native Americans were living here many centuries before that. Um, But as a municipal entity in its modern form, its European form, uh, we've been here for nearly 400 years, and that's something to celebrate, and that's what the city plan is looking toward. Now, you got a lot of feedback from various stakeholders in composing this plan. Tell us how that worked. So the City's Planning and Zoning Commission held a number of public meetings uh, and listening sessions in developing this draft plan. Before it was published, we met with 48 different uh, entities, groups, individuals to try to flush out exactly where where everybody together thought the city should go. So the amount of public input uh, in meetings was pretty robust, almost 1,100 people before the plan was even published. And then we also did a survey of 900 people asking them 25 questions that covered the whole range of city life and, and reviewing their responses was very interesting. Now, despite your hard work, I understand this plan has kind of been put on a diet compared to previous plans. If you're talking about the number of pages and words, definitely. Uh, The last plan was done in 2010. It was called One City, One Plan, and it was about 250 plus pages. This plan is about 70 pages. It's full of images. It's meant to be publicly accessible and readable, and it's meant to be clear. So we think that actually having a slimmer, trimmer plan will help to clarify the vision that everybody in the city has for Hartford moving forward. Now that vision is broken into five different parts, green, grow, move, live, and play. And we are going to talk about each one of those, starting with green. Sure. So when we say green in the plan, we mean uh, a more sustainable Hartford. 
a Hartford where people are connected with nature and where we all reap the health benefits of that. So in this category, we're looking at things like energy. We're looking at plants and animals. We're looking at our waste system as well as our river. And I understand that each one of these has some recommendations. What are the the highlights for the green? In this category, we have two big recommendations for each of the five categories. For our green chapter of the plan, you could call it, um, we've said that our most important recommendations are reconnecting Hartford to the river and uh, repairing and protecting and expanding our tree canopy. Now, on the tree canopy point, uh, we've had a number of previous plans that have talked about trees. We adopted in 2018 a climate action plan that set a goal of planting 2,500 trees per year. This city plan sets a goal of ramping up to 3,000 trees per year. And trees have a lot of values. Um, They clean our air. They provide shade and cool our houses and cut our energy costs. But they also have a calming effect. Um, So you look at a lot of our neighborhoods and and you don't see uh, trees for a block or two in some neighborhoods. And that's really detrimental to actually the way people experience and feel about the city. So so we're really looking forward to the day when we can reconnect Hartford to the river and, and get our tree canopy back up to the level that it should be. And trees are a big thing. I know, for example, New York City has an extensive tree plan, and that includes what certain trees to plant. So if if there is a blight that affects one, it doesn't kill the whole population. So a lot of thought goes into selecting the trees to plant in an urban environment. The types of trees are much more important now given climate change issues because the kinds of trees that might have survived here 50 or 100 years ago may not do so well as we enter a new uh, era where climate change is changing not only uh, drought and water conditions, but also the likelihood of pest infestations. And I suppose someone might ask, you know, what can Little Hartford do to help combat climate change when it comes to sustainability. But this is also something that, you know, it's forward looking. You want to set an example here, don't you? Absolutely. So we also, for example, uh, in this sustainability chapter, set out goals in the area of energy. So we think, for example, in 15 years by the 400th birthday, the city should be able to completely replace its uh, vehicular fleet with uh, electric vehicles. Um, so we think that that is, would be the city, as, as the city entity, leading by example. Um, we also have uh, ideas in the trash uh, section, in the area of waste. So as uh, many of your listeners probably know, for a long time, uh, the city hosted the region's landfill. And of course, now we host the trash to energy plant. We've been, in some ways, the, the dumping ground for the region, and we really want to change that. So by focusing on composting, uh, by focusing on collection of organic waste, by already enacting a plastic bag ban and looking through this plan to uh, ban maybe styrofoam and other plastic restaurant packaging, uh, we're trying to say, we're going to turn that reputation around. We're going to deal with litter. We're going to deal with bulky waste. Um, and we think that the city plan is a good way to 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 project that 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 approach and and to change perceptions of the city. Now, the second component of the Hartford City Plan 2035 is grow, aka economic development. Yes, and so this encompasses all of the the aspects of of economic uh, growth. So we're talking about workforce, of course, construction and real estate development. Uh, we're also talking about 
um, big projects that that might happen, uh, partnerships, innovation places, entrepreneurship, and what we might do with our commercial corridors, our avenues that emanate from downtown and are vital to the success of our neighborhoods. How big a component is the downtown north development recently announced? So the downtown north that that uh, was, uh, you know, we've we've selected a new developer for the city, and we hope that that will go forward uh, to to produce a mixed use development just north of downtown, connecting Clay Arsenal and and Upper Albany and uh, uh, North Main Street back to downtown. That project we see is very important. It's probably one of the big projects that's going to be done in the short term. But it's just one of 10 transformative projects that we've identified in the plan as those top 10 real estate projects that will stimulate the kind of economic growth that we think that the city deserves. What are some of those other projects? A big project that we've talked about in the context of planning for I-84 is moving Union Station. If we move Union Station, we can enable the placement of tracks that would provide us with the opportunity to have high-speed rail. So right now, where Union Station is actually prevents us from having high-speed rail, which we know is so important to connecting our economy to Boston and New York and beyond. Another big project is um, a, a South End Health and Innovation District anchored by two of our major hospitals, Hartford Hospital and uh, CCMC, and linking that Center for Innovation back up to the Capitol on Washington Street and beyond. Of course, we're also looking at Coltsville, which is uh, recently designated as a federal um, historic national park. Uh, and the blocks around Bushnell South, which you've been hearing about. But a, a, one other area that might surprise uh, listeners is that we're focusing, too, on Parkville's Arts and Innovation District. So the area around a couple of the fast track stops that has already seen a lot of development, including the Parkville market, where we have had a city plan meeting, which was very exciting uh, to, to see it before it uh, officially opens. Um, but centered around Polk Park, centered around some artistic assets, we have that as an artistic district as well as a culture corridor on North Main. So that we're, we're looking all over the city uh, to try to find these projects. The, the only two I haven't mentioned are the North End Wellness District, which focuses on the assets on Coventry Street uh, and connects over to Keeney Park. And, of course, a gateway to Albany Avenue that we know is so important would be anchored by the Westbrook Village development. Certainly this vision requires buy-in from the private sector. What sort of conversation do you have to present that vision and, and get them on board? So we've had a number of meetings uh, with business uh, with the business sector, including uh, creating a working group for this specific area, this grow chapter of the plan that included everybody from capital workforce partners and the workforce community uh, to small business owners to large business owners like Max Katari, who has uh, a, a major business downtown, um, to representatives of the large companies, including the innovation coordinator, travelers, getting everybody in the room to try to to, to get to to figure out where do we go from um, the second chance uh, uh, returning citizen who has uh, who needs to find a job. How do we make sure that that person can participate in the economy as well as travelers in the Hartford and and you know seeing everybody is connected. 
the working group uh, helped to produce some of these ideas that you'll you'll read in the plan, um, including identifying some of these transformative projects. The other thing that we're doing uh, throughout the month of March is meeting with different entities. So our meeting on this economic development category is happening at Reset Hartford, which is a sort of entrepreneurial uh, uh, center in Parkville. And we're also doing a breakfast with Metro Hartford Alliance uh, and the Hartford Chamber. So we're, we're really trying to reach out and see what people think about the draft. Uh, and and so we we continue to engage, and we hope that they that they continue to provide us with feedback. You are listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Sarah Bronin, chairperson of the Hartford Planning and Zoning Commission, talking about the Hartford City Plan 2035, the vision for the next 15 years, leading up to the capital city's 400th birthday. The next component of the plan is move. You already talked a little about transportation. Demonstrates that. A lot of these components are, are closely linked, but what's the vision for transportation in Hartford? So we see a Hartford where everybody can get around whether they have access to a car or not. So fundamentally, Hartford is uh, is different than many of the suburban communities in that about a third of our residents live in households with no access to a car. So what does that mean? How do they get around? They get around by walking, by taking their bikes, or by taking the bus, um, and so our plan really focuses on biking, walking, and transit, whether that's bus or rail, uh, as means of getting around. We've made moves in recent years to de-emphasize our emphasis uh, to de-emphasize our reliance on the car uh, through zoning reforms, becoming the first city in the country to eliminate minimum parking requirements, for example. Um, and we've also developed a bike plan adopted just in the last few months that creates a framework for us to actually implement the kinds of projects that we need to see for us to create a safer and more welcoming biking culture here. So we've we've started the process of changing the way that we uh, move around in Hartford and uh, across the region. And we think we want to build on that really by focusing on completing the bike plan and expanding bus and rail service across the region. Is one of the elephants in the room what happens to ID4 and the Aetna Viaduct? Yes. And so one of the missing pieces here in the city plan is we've said really not much about I-84, in part because that project seems to be completely stalled. Instead, what we've done is we've said, we're going to put our chips on I-91 and Congressman Larson's proposal to reconnect Hartford to the river by possibly bearing or channeling or diverting I-91 and its interchange with 84 elsewhere uh, in the region. So it's a it's a conscious choice that we've made to sort of de-emphasize what's happening on 84 and start to move more toward these big ideas for 91, in part because we want to know, we, we, we want to see what's feasible in the next uh, 15 years. And we think that there's some momentum on the I-91 project, whereas the I-84 project appears to be totally stalled. Talking about reconnecting the city to the river, certainly great strides have already been made. How do you envision building upon those efforts? So we have to credit Riverfront Recapture, the nonprofit organization that has um, has led the visioning process to connect Hartford to Mortensen Riverfront Plaza, to Charter Oak Landing, um, and also now to uh, purchase the last big tract of private property on the North Cove 
uh, on the on the northern end of Harvard, which we hope will become a northern cove. Um, we we want to work with Riverfront. We want to work with Congressman Larson uh, to build on on all of that. We hope that the MDC will come back to the table and and refund Riverfront Recapture to help enable uh, this to to happen. Because of course the river is everybody's. Uh, asset. The river is not just Hartford's greatest natural asset, but it's really the region's greatest natural asset. So when you look at the river and the way Hartford used to relate to the river, we were located here because of its prime location on the river. And instead of embracing that, the old decisions were made to put a trash plant on the river, to put a landfill on the river, to zone the entire riverfront to be industrial property. Those decisions were very bad decisions, and we're unfortunately bearing the consequences today. This city plan says we want to reverse that and move toward a future where we're all pressing to get to that to get to that river and all pressing for everybody to have equitable access to this great resource. As you noted, the plan is largely silent on ID4. In an ideal world, what would you like to see happen with that? Well, I would love to see the I-84 project being built as it was planned to be built. The the planning process for I-84 has been a number of years in the making. It has involved business owners, residents, other stakeholders, commuters. It's really involved everybody. And the design for I-84 was would have been great. It it would have reconnected neighborhoods that have been severed by this concrete gash in our urban framework. And it's really a shame that it's stalled right now. So I would love to see it built uh, as, as as the plans have been evolving. Uh, we would have also have gotten potentially a, a bikeway along I-84 as it was rebuilt. On the other hand, the fact that it's not being rebuilt gives us an opportunity to reimagine a Hartford that is less reliant on cars, and also to take some of the elements like moving Union Station and say, well, we still want to do that whether I-84 is happening or not because of the other benefits that were surfaced through the I-84 planning project, including better suitability for high-speed rail if we move Union Station. Fourth component is live, livable city, you know, quality of life issues. Yep. So in that chapter, we deal with things like schools, health, housing, public safety, and so on. And the couple of big goals that we have in that category are goals that, uh, well, the the mayor has been working on uh, consistently and and really weighs on our residents' quality of life, which include uh, cutting gun violence in half and making no more slumlords a reality. So you've probably heard, your listeners have probably heard about the No More Slumlords campaign, where our residents uh, rose up and, and challenged uh, n- notorious slumlords across the city, uh, and and were victorious. We adopted a new housing code, and we've started to better enforce the better enforce the laws we have on the books. But that's not enough. We have to keep that momentum going. And so, basic quality of housing issues, and of course, dealing with gun violence, which is uh, a, a a systemic issue, and and we need to deal with it uh, in a lot of different ways, uh, are, are very important elements of the plan. One of the the striking things when you drive through Hartford is the difference between downtown and, and say, the North End. Does this plan at all speak to to how to to remarry those those two sections of the city? Well, physically, one way to do that might be this Downtown North project, where you make the transition between downtown, this highway, and the development that's happening in and around the stadium to the communities beyond and make sure that that development is accessible to and open to residents no matter uh, what neighborhood they live in. 
We're also though focused uh, in this plan, and I haven't mentioned it so far, but on but on infill. So we've had um, uh, folks come in to do a pro bono project for us, a major architecture firm, and identifying all of the vacant lots uh, on all of our avenues, actually, North Main, Albany, Park, Franklin, and look at all of those and say, what can we do with these assets? Uh, If you look at Albany Avenue alone, uh, looking at the vacant lots uh, reveals that we have almost 2 million square feet of buildable area just on Albany Avenue alone on the commercial areas and and it could be multifamily housing as well. So uh, I think okay, throughout the plan, there are different elements, including on the avenues, including infill for housing, including housing rehabilitation programs, and again, improving quality of life that will affect all of Hartford, no matter which neighborhood it's in. And I should say, too, that this plan, uh, because of the way it was developed, we went all around the city. We had many meetings in the north end, the south end, uh, everywhere, and not just in downtown, because we wanted to be sure that we were hearing from everybody. And so the priorities in this plan were developed with everybody in mind. Downtown is important, but the neighborhoods are vitally important, too. And the final component is play, making the capital city the the cultural capital of the region. Well, I think we have a claim to be the cultural capital of the region right now. And so our, our chapter on play really focuses on all of the assets we have, not just our, our large institutions like the Bushnell and Hartford Stage and Theater Works, but our smaller institutions, our galleries, and our artistic community, our cultural festivals, our restaurants. We have so much arts and culture here that any small town across the country would be envious of Hartford's concentration of assets. So in our city plan, we're looking at all of the assets that we have and saying, how can we move forward and enhance these and also tell other people about what we've got? We have also a parks legacy that was really envisioned by Frederick Law Olmsted, who was born in Hartford, uh, the first landscape architect in this country, the designer of Central Park. And he had this vision for Hartford, and he and his protégés designed many of our parks and left us with a beautiful legacy of, of green space where lots of things happen and people get together, and we have that as also a tremendous asset. So our city plan is looking forward and saying, what do we want to be in 15 years? Well, we want to build on that. We want to market our assets to the region. We want to have passport programs where people can uh, can can buy a pass and come to Hartford for the weekend and visit the Mark Twain House, the Harriet Beecher Stowe House, the Science Center, and everything in between. And we want for people to have opportunities uh, in parks and also recreation facilities to build on that uh, to build on that sense of play and of fun. The one thing I, I haven't talked much about is the survey that we did of the 900 people I mentioned at the beginning of the segment. That survey revealed a very important thing that we've been planning around, which is the answer to the question, what is Hartford's greatest strength? It was a mandatory question for all r- respondents. And it's really interesting. It was really interesting for us to learn that 39% of respondents said that arts and culture was our greatest asset followed by 27% of respondents who said diversity was our greatest asset. You put all of that together and you see that people within the city, within our region, appreciate Hartford's assets. And what they want to see is uh, us to be able to uh, bring more people in to appreciate those assets together and also to to cross-pollinate. So to have the kinds of things where we that we're doing now, like 
um, the Hartford Public Library uh, hosting tickets to the Hartford stage and, and handing those out to residents. Nightfall performing in our parks. Winterfest being supported by the business community, and we're seeing uh, uh, minor league, our minor league teams participating in, in these events. So we like to see that cross-pollination. We hope that that continues, and that's one of the goals of our plan. Now, you've been holding meetings throughout the month of March. What happens then? We'll take all the feedback that we've received uh, at our meetings through our website, which is hartford2035.org. And through our own public hearings, which we we have to hold as part of the statutory process to adopt a city plan. When we get all of that feedback, we'll be revising the draft that we've put out. We've already gotten some great ideas for revisions. And ultimately, we'll hope to adopt the plan in May at our first May meeting, May 12th or maybe our second, uh, depending on how things go. What will you do to make sure that once this plan is adopted, it actually gets put into action? Well, we see this plan as everybody's plan. We want for everybody in our community to take pieces of this plan and think to themselves, how can I help realize this? Whether they have a business or whether they're a resident or whether they just commute in or whether they're a visitor, how can we help Hartford to continue to rise and make sure that everybody has a share in that rise? So we hope that by going on this radio show, by having lots of public meetings, by talking with as many people as we can about the plan, that everybody will start to buy into it, whether they live in Hartford or not, and that we can all see a future for Hartford on its 400th birthday that's even brighter than what we have today. She is Sarah Bronin, chairperson of the Hartford Planning and Zoning Commission. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.